You are listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. For more information on my book and other resources, check out yellingcurebook.com. And if you like my show, then I want to tell you about a hilarious parenting podcast called What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. It's hosted by Amy and Margaret, who are both comedians and moms of three. But that's where the similarities end because Margaret is laid back to the max and Amy loves making lists and planning ahead. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, Amy and Margaret wrestle with a common parenting issue using research, lively debate, and tons of humor. So if you're stuck at home right now with your kids, this is the perfect escape. Check out What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts or at whatfreshhellpodcast.com. Hello, everybody. It's Robin McMahon here. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. I have a really fun guest today. I know you're going to love her. I have Janet Allison on. She is a not just a lifelong learner. She has a passion for teaching, and she has founded Boys Alive. Boys Alive was born out of her realization that school is mostly set up for girls to succeed. And with over 20 years experience coaching parents, mentoring teachers, and working with professionals, the Portland, Oregon local travels both virtually and in real time to help adults realize and understand boys. Oh, we need you so much, Janet. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Boys and men as well. So. Right. Right. So you're not just a lifelong learner. You're a mom as well. You've got kids. Tell tell me about your kids. You must have a house full of boys. Oh, well, you know, I have a house full of boys in my heart and I raised daughters. They're grown. They're out in the world. Everybody wonders, what are you doing talking about boys? And I will tell you that it was, um, it was a, a need that I had when I was teaching back in the mid nineties, I was teaching a first grade class and I had 10 boys and two girls and I have my elementary ed certain teaching degree and no one, no one ever told me that the boys are going to be a little bit different in the classroom than the girls. And I quickly found out that boys are really different. They need different things when they're learning. Fortunately, at that time, the school was on a farm property and it was a matter of survival that we got out and moved our bodies every single morning for a long time before they were ready to come back in the classroom. And even then, they were very creative. They were very um, uh, action oriented, let's just say, and they did the craziest things that my female brain was just like, what? And, and so I had to get really curious, like, what is going on here? What am I not understanding about bringing, bringing what I thought were brilliant lessons to these boys and they were not having it, you know, Mm -hmm. they wanted to touch, they wanted to move, they wanted to do And so I got very curious about the male brain along the way I did communication skills training. So understanding that guess what males and females communicate completely differently Mm. and that it's it, I believe it's on us as females, as moms, as women teachers, we need to take that extra step to really understand 
our boys and how they communicate, our men, how they communicate. Mm -hmm. You know, females, we tend, and these are broad generalizations, of course, and tendencies. Not everybody is exactly lined up with these things, but you know, we, we love to talk. I mean, look at us, Robin, we love to talk. And it's very much, um, we process out loud. We just, I have a, a friend who's, they've been married for like 40 years and the husband's just like, you know, when Nancy starts talking, I just let her talk because she'll come up with the answer by the end. <laughs> he doesn't have to say anything. So, it, so it's understanding that and understanding that our many, many words overwhelms our boys' brains. It shuts them down. They cannot process all our, you know, rapid fire questions, rapid fire directions. All, most of school is very verbal and that tends to overwhelm mm. boys' brains. So then what's the alternative? If, if verbal is hard, then what, what, how, what's better? Well, less verbal. I mean, we still have to talk, right? We still have to communicate, yeah. but understand. So fewer words, mm -hmm. the, the essence of what you want to communicate, not all the details. We tend to add a lot of details to, um, so for instance, getting out the door, shoes, which kills us as women to just say one word, ah, but I shoes, yeah. shoes, shoes. <laughs> not, oh, honey, you need to get your shoes and then we're going to go here and we're going to do this mm -hmm. and don't forget that. That's like a flood and he can't, he, he'll shut down. He'll shut down. He'll get silly. He'll act out. He'll get angry. You know, it's all the things. So you, of course, as moms, we want to give our kids the, the biggest chance to succeed. So 100%. fewer words, fewer okay. words. And then the other thing about, and, and I, I always encourage listeners to check this out with the men in your life. Ask them, what, what would be better for you? Do you want me to tell you the grocery list or do you want me to write it down? Do you want me to give you all the emotional details or do you want me to just essentialize it? Um, so what's that? So try it for yourself. Try it with the men in your life. Can I, yes. can I ask you to back up a little bit? Because we just started talking and I mean, you and I are already going to talk for hours, but don't worry, everyone listening, this isn't, this isn't an hours long. Um, <laughs> but what I want to do though first is, so we're talking about how boys really are at a disadvantage. That's really what you're, what you're saying because the system, the system um, of learning uh, is, is, really not set up for boys, right? There's a lot of female teachers, like you say, there's a lot of talking in schools and there's a better way. So first I wanna ask you, what is Boys Alive? This is your baby, this is what you have founded. Tell me about that and why you have this organization. Yeah, so Boys Alive is, I, it, Boys Alive is me, I am it, and it is, you know, it is my platform for advocating for boys, and I've been advocating for boys for over 20 years. I am a family coach, so I work with families, with parents, not with the families, but with parents and uh, helping them understand their boys. I have so many moms that come to me and say, 
I was raised with sisters. I was raised by a single mom. I have no clue about my boy. I don't understand why does he, why is he so noisy? Why is he so active? And so really helping parents understand their sons and understanding boy development, which is very different than girl development. And, you know, they're on, everybody's on a developmental trajectory, but it's a little bit different for boys. And this is where school becomes problematic for many, many boys is because when it's, you know, when we say you're six and you should be in kindergarten and you should be writing your name and doing all these things, boys are not that mature yet. We know that even at birth, boys are about two weeks less mature than girls. And boys are actually, and I can go into, you know, the whole, like, boys are actually more fragile medically than girls. So more miscarriages are boys, more birth uh, health issues around at birth are boys, more boys are diagnosed, and I put that in air quotes, with ADHD than girls, more boys are, um, more boys are expelled from preschool. More boys do not graduate from high school. More boys do not go on to college. It is, it's a, a notion that we have to wrap our heads around as a society is that our boys are failing. And part of that is because we have created the system that is very female friendly, again, very verbal, sit still, listen and learn. Boys do not learn if they have to sit still. When their brain, with their bodies are in motion, their brains are in motion. But if we ask them to be still, it's as if we're just turning a switch. Turn off their brains. So why is that though? Why, why do they need to move in order to learn? And, and look, I understand the concept to be in motion is to be still, right? And to be calm. Uh, but, but what is this about boys? Why? Well, it's evolutionary biology. It's how we, you know, how how males and females were uh, tasked with different things, the hunters, the gatherers. It goes back that far. It's how our brains evolved. So it's, you know, all, all of those um, primal things. Yeah. And I'm not a scientist, but it's, it's in there and it's, it's an imperative. I mean, you look at any boy, most any boy, and they are in constant motion. Yeah. They need to move. Yet we as a society, as a school have said, no, you have to sit still. So what I gained when I was teaching those, those first graders is I need to incorporate movement mm-hmm every single part of the day before the day during the day we need to get up from our desks and do movement breaks that keeps their bodies going and their brains in motion and i think now you know with all of this remote learning it is so important for parents to realize you cannot just imagine he's going to roll out of bed and turn on the computer and be able to attend to what's going on he's got to have some movement and time time outside yeah yeah look and i see it with my own two boys as well now here's the thing though um as our boys are getting older i'm seeing a shift in my own kids where they're not moving as much and i know that that's a part 
you know, of the technology that we have, right? And, um, and so what do you say about the boys that now are really lazy or that we perceive as being lazy that can't get up? Yeah. What's happening with them? Yeah. So pandemic aside, it's, you know, we really have to, to tease apart what is being caused by where we are in 2020 and the school year and what is normal boy development. Mm -hmm. And there is a stage of normal boy development and it's around seventh grade in the US. So they're around 12, 13, 11, 12, 13. I can pretty much uh, look at my watch and say, yep, that's about right. Yep. <laughs> my kids, yeah. And it's, it's developmental. Their bodies are changing. Their brains are rewiring yeah. completely, but their bodies are getting heavy. It's like gravity is, is setting in and their bones are getting denser. Their muscles are getting denser. And there's this heaviness that comes in, in this, in this time period. So add to that screens, which are so compelling and sitting in front of, you know, a gaming console. So then you've got that more weight on them, more, um, less active engagement, physical engagement. And then just the, I think collective depression and malaise that we're in, with this time period. So it's all just like weighting them down. And so of course, counteracting that we want to give them opportunities to move their body. And of course, they're not going to make it easy for us because they're 11, 12, 13, 14 year olds. (laughs) And you know, they're, they will resist, but that's when for parents of younger kids, that's when you, create this family dynamic of, yeah, we go for a walk after dinner, or we go for hikes on Saturdays, or we go to the swimming pool or whatever, that you have already developed this love of movement. And he won't love it for some time, but it's in there. It's in his body. He'll come (laughs) back to it. And of course, always encouraging sports or some sort of martial arts um, parkour, all those kinds of things can be really uh, address a lot of the risk take, taking and challenges that many yeah. boys seek. Right. Yeah, we'll, we'll do like BMX biking. Uh, we have a parkour park here, which is great. If you don't know what parkour is, you got to check it out because it's so fun and, and they love it. Um, but yeah, so it's okay. So that is really interesting. And, 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 and I really like what you said about um, as they get older and they, they, they embark on those teen years, it's not as much about hormones as it is about the brain reorganizing and rewiring. Yes, the hormones are there, and we've always just talked it up to hormones. It's not so much that as it is the brain rewiring, and that's really important to know. Um, we also... And, oh, can ahead. I interject too? Yeah. It's important to tell your boys what's going on. They need reassurance because they're in this body that is changing and they feel the heaviness. And Mm -hmm. so it's really important to reassure them that this is just another step in your development. It won't always be this way. That's great. That is so such great advice. Of course, tell your boys what they're going through. Of course, 
course. Why would you keep it from them? You know, right. I mean, but we sometimes yeah. forget, you know, yeah. we get busy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the most obvious and easily to forget. So easy to forget. Um, and what I was going to say too, you know, look, we know boys' brains are slightly different than girls' brains. So, um, so, you know, so really talking about that, I think is really, really important. And also knowing that, you know, just the simple fact that we, we want eye contact, we can actually measure stress hormones in their mouths, men too, by the way, um, when, when we force them to have eye contact. Having eye contact doesn't mean I'm listening better to you. <laughs> In fact, well, we feel threatened, right? Yes. Yeah. And I had, I mean, this is again, where you check in with the men in your life. And one dad told me, he said, you know, I tell my wife, if she wants me to look at her, I can do that, but I can't hear what she's saying. If she wants me to hear what I, if she wants me to hear what she's saying, then I can't look at her. Yeah. So basically he says, choose one channel. Either I look at you and don't hear you, or I hear you and don't look at you. Right. Well, and the yeah. reality is that's the fact, right? You can fight it or you can embrace it and get the results you want, right? So let's look at what's really going on with them so that we can have better results with our kids and results meaning you know, more cooperation, more harmony in our home, because that's what we're all after, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I know, um, you know, I know that there, there is, gosh, and I, and I don't like to catastrophize this, this whole subject, but I do see so many boys get sucked into gaming and it consumes them. And if this is also at the time where they are in this heaviness, like you say, um, you know, what do you say about this gaming obsession almost, right? Because we don't see it with yeah. girls as much, right? It's boys. No, no it answers so many um, elements for boys. It's the challenge. It's the eye-hand coordination. It's the, <laughs> you know hero's journey it's all of these things and of course video games are designed to captivate and addict you've got to you know come back for that next level and oh there's that one next thing and i think that parents have fought this for a really long time I talked to so many moms and they, I mean, say the word Fortnite and they roll their eyes and they just want to like turn away in disgust. They hate it because they feel like they've lost their boy yeah. in this world. Well, this world is social for him. It's an easy way to be social, you know, figuring out, um, nonverbal cues and then the whole eye contact thing when you're with people in person that is a challenge for many boys so being online focused on a third thing so you don't focus on each other you're looking at this third thing this mediating object i call it mm -hmm. so the attention is not person to person but it's on that thing so that's very boy friendly and then um so we've spent all this time kind of resisting and it's become a battle zone for so many families. And I encourage parents to take a step back, take a deep breath and ask and get curious and become involved. And 
you know, there might be a time when a, a lot of conflict comes from like, you know, get off, stop playing and come set the table or, you know, oh, but I've just got to finish this level, mom. And you're in the kitchen getting madder and madder because he's not listening and you feel disrespected. What if you stopped, took that deep breath and, and put dinner on the back burner and say, hey, finish that level and then we'll eat? I mean, that's what I say. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yeah. In fact, yeah. they need a bridge of transition when they're playing their games. And I've learned this, Janet. I've learned it through my own mistakes saying, okay, you've got this amount of time. As soon as your time is up, you've got to shut it off right now. And and then I, you know, um, you know, before I, I, I did this work and, you know, all this, you know, you'd want to go up there and just turn the TV off or you'd want to yank the cord out of the wall. But actually going in, calming down, you first need to connect with your kids. Calling them from another room does not work. And especially yeah. when you're talking about boys and gaming, they are in that other world. They are, you know, mentally, emotionally in that other world. So yeah. breaking them out of that does mean you've got to go to them, right? Yes. And you've got to notice like, hey, you know, how much time do you have left? Like, how long is this game? Because the reality is, is there is a social component there. There is a group that they're usually with. And if you just left, if, if they just leave, then it does have, and I know it's a make-believe world, but it does have, it, it has repercussions for the rest of the group that are in yeah. playing the game. And, and so if we've allowed the gaming system to come in, then we also have a responsibility to disconnect our kids in a way that makes sense, right? Because everything is fine. You know, we talk about the brain, dopamine-wise in their brain, but if we were to go and shut it off right away, that dopamine comes crashing down and they can feel like a physical pain. It's like when yeah. you turn the lights out or when the power goes out, everybody goes, oh, you know, you can't help it. Yeah. Boys, kids, you know, when you're in that world, they feel it, they feel it. And that's when I always say, that's when screen time turns to scream time. You are currently listening to the Parenting Our Future podcast. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And please don't forget to subscribe. And I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating on iTunes. If you'd like to connect with me, all my details are in the show notes. And for a copy of my book, go to yellingcurebook.com. Now back to the show. I think it's really about, you know, setting up expectations early and also, you know, what your comfort level is with screens and, and, you know, put away the guilt because we know all our kids, all of us have been on screens way more in the last six months. So put away that guilt, but also um, a way to manage, a way to take yourself out of managing it is collaborating with your son. Yeah. Here's the non-negotiables. Here's what's expected before you get on screens. Yeah. And Homework, think, exercise, yeah. practice your instrument, family time, and you decide together what those things are. And then at some point, you just have to let go. And yep, he's going to be on screens way more than you would like. And that is his social world. Yeah. That is his active world right now. 
Right. And so, so, so there's a couple of things I want to add to that because I think that you also, as a parent have to be ready for the commitment you're making with a gaming system. Like since we're talking about gaming, let's just go there. I think this also applies for a phone or a iPad or a computer or whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you're going to give your child. But here's the thing. Um, you, you know, you can't just give it to your child when everybody else gets it. You give it to your child when you think they're ready. So it's not about keeping up with the Joneses, first of all. Mm-hmm. And your child has to be mature enough to to understand the 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 rules and boundaries around the system. Because the thing is, is that if they don't, they're going to break the rules or the bow or you know push the boundaries. And then that means more policing for you to have to do on this whole system. And you want to set them up to be able to to regulate themselves and and, and that sort of thing. So you've also got to realize, look, you got to take a step back, I think, too, and say, like, is my child ready for this? Am I ready to do this? Right? Yeah. Because I'll tell you, there are days, many days, where I have wanted to take our friggin' Xbox and throw it out the window. And I don't use the word friggin' when I'm talking about it, right? Like, I have been enraged by that thing. And I, look, I, we agreed to bring it into the house, right? So, you can't be that hard on your kids. You are part of the problem, right? I'm sorry to say it, but it's true, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really good to set up parameters around usage expectations. And along with that, and I'll use the words rewards and consequences. And I know that's those are touchy words in the parenting world, but together, set up the expectations. And, you know, if it's going to be you're managing your, you know, hour of screen time and you really stick with it for a week, what's the reward? Hey, we go out for ice cream together. Or what's the consequence? And I just worked with a mom yesterday with her 15 year old and screen time and, and they together, well, she, she said, you know, you choose what the consequence is. And his consequence was um, doing the dishes for a week. So it doesn't always have to relate to screen time, like, oh, if you can't do it, then I'm going to take it away. That's Mm -hmm. not, you know, you're taking away his social connections. So I don't recommend using screen time in that way of of punitive, oh, well, you messed up. So I'm taking taking your social contact away for the next week. I think it does so much to them as well, because you have, you have, energetically um, said yes to this thing, but now it's going to be arbitrary whether or not you actually get to have it, right? Because we're going to use it every time you step out of line to say, oh, you can't have it. I think that's really unfair. And I think that also makes it even more attractive and just perpetuates this cycle that we're in of giving and, you know, taking away and all this. And look, I, I, you know, if, if it's not working, then yeah, I love that you're saying collaborate with your kids because the reality is, is that if you can come up with a solution together, your kids are way more likely to follow through on something that they helped come up with, right? Exactly. It just makes sense. So, so what I'm hearing from you say in everything that you've talked about is talk to them, right? Maybe, but, but not so much with not so many words. So right. really you're, saying, you're saying talk to them, but listen more, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. because really, like when you think about it, when I think about it, let's just be honest, I do talk too much. My husband talks so much and I'm literally like, and so I don't know, maybe he's an anomaly. Maybe you could study him because he talks so much. Sure, and there (laughs) are some men that do and some boys that do. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm just like, 
babe, like, when has a lecture ever gotten us anywhere? Never, 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 right? But we just want to teach. We want to instill our wisdom. We want to change the behavior so bad, but lectures don't do it. So stop yeah. it. <laughs> stop yeah. it. You know, Solic asking ideas. questions. Yes. Soliciting uh, ideas, asking questions, right? You're just saying it. You go, go for it. Yeah. Asking questions and I want to I want to go back to the eye contact because there is a way to talk with your boy that will help him be able to talk with you. Okay. And that is uh, you know listening as you said Robin and being okay without eye contact which means doing something together. Mm. So going for a walk. Going many moms will say wow my kids talk when they're in the car. My husband really opens up when he's in the car. Great place to talk. Um, going out and tossing a ball, washing dishes, just even sitting on the couch side by side. But being together without that eye contact that we as women absolutely love. We get oxytocin. We, it feeds us. It doesn't feed our boys. So doing something together. And I would also encourage you, dear listeners, to be quiet, to embrace silence with your boy. And so that means that you, maybe, maybe he's on the floor playing Legos and you join him on the floor playing Legos, whatever it is, and you don't talk. You don't, I mean, this is like such a foreign concept, right? But you, if he you know, it, let him lead the conversation. If there is conversation to be had, there might not be. It might be really, really quiet, or it might be, you know, a commentary here and there, but let him lead. And if he says 10 words, you respond with 10 words or less, not 10 words or more. And it's hard. Let me tell you, it's hard. But just being in silence together, I have had many men and boys both say that feels, so, I feel connected when there's quiet. And then the other piece of that is to be ready and available when he is ready to talk, mm. which is likely not going to be a convenient time for you. <laughs> it's probably going to be bedtime and yes. you're exhausted and he wants to talk. 100%. And I'll tell you something I used to do with my girls when they were in high school and they would come home and I don't know, does this happen now? I'm not sure. But um, I used to lay on their bed. at So they'd been out at play practice or whatever. And they were getting home at 1030 or 11. I would lay on their bed and often fall asleep. But when they came in, from, you know, they're all hyped up. They've just had, you know, they've been out doing and things happening. They were so ready to talk yeah. and process. Yeah. And that was, those were some sweet moments yeah. when, you know, ordinarily I could already been in my bed. Hey, flick the lights when you go home, let me know when you're home and, you know, off to sleep. But by placing myself in their world, yeah. I was privy to those moments when they were turned on and really ready to talk. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, uh, somebody somewhere has called this the potted plant method of parenting. Oh. So often with your boys, if you're just around, 
mm-hmm. and not engaging, but just, and my, my podcast co-host is raising four boys and she said, you know, she'll just sit in the living room with her phone, like playing, you know, some mindless game or scroll in social media. And she's just there not interacting, but her boys will often, you know, come over and sit by her or engage her in some way. But it's more of a like, I'm here, I, I'm holding the space, but I don't need to like be tugging on you to get get an interaction going. Does mm. that make sense? Totally. I love it. I love it. And, and you're bang on about bedtime. Bedtime, like, you know, people, parents wonder why, you know, their kids become thirsty philosophers at bedtime. Like, why couldn't we have had this conversation earlier? But it's just, it's just a time for connection. They're craving it. So, and we're talking minutes. We're not talking hours. We're talking minutes. But I've had the most beautiful conversations with my kids in bed with them, cuddling, which I mean, that is my jam to cuddle my kids. I don't care how old they are. I don't care if they're as tall as me. Like I just, I love physical touch, but it's okay if they don't need me to, but just being there to, to, to talk to them. And you know what? You're so right. Like sitting in a car, going for a walk. I know some therapists that don't even have chairs that face each other because they deal with boys and teens. And it's just, it's just a better way for them to put their guard down and be able to talk. So, so you're not saying that we can't get in and figure out what's going on with them. We just have to sort of meet them where they are, not where we expect they should be, which from our girl brains is talking and engaging and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and using all the emotional language and our boys are so emotional, but they don't necessarily put it into words for us. So we have to be sleuths. We have to be detectives. And I really want to say here often our boys come across as angry and aggressive and, and we wonder, you know, what's, going on with this kid and is he going to be in jail by the time he's 18 because he can't control his big emotions and this is an area that I really specialize in in working with parents and part of it is when we recognize the messaging that boys get from the beginning of life is that it is okay to be angry it's not okay to be embarrassed or nervous or shy or scared, but it's okay to be angry. And so often boys will express their deeper emotions as anger. A lot of boys will express their depression and anxiety as anger. So it's really up to us to recognize that anger is the first layer. It's ugly. It's scary. It's big. It's loud. And we tend to want to just shut it down and, you know, get him calmed down. So he stops throwing those things through the wall. And, and yet, and of course, you know, we want to keep him safe and everyone around him safe, but it's really then deciphering what, what is really going on. Mm -hmm. And it could be as simple as, and this is a true, true scenario. This boy was so mad about school and I'm not doing work and, And what it came down to was that he did not have a pencil and he did not want to ask for a pencil. Yeah. Yeah. It is that basic. Okay. So I want to, with all of that being said, and I want to talk more about aggression and anger and that sort of thing, but, but 
emotion itself. So, you know, I think that up to this point, we've really given boys only a couple of emotions that could be theirs, like mad, glad, and sad, right? Like that's all we have given them. So when you say they're not allowed to be embarrassed or shy or all of these flowery words, like I always say, we give uh, we give our girls a cornucopia of emotion words, but we don't with our boys, which hurts them because they don't have emotional intelligence. Because if you can't name and understand your own emotions, how can you name and understand the emotions of other people in your life, right? And emotional intelligence is arguably more important than your actual IQ, right? Because we all know someone who is brilliant, but's kind of, but is kind of a jerk. And like, we don't want to be around that person, but you may be brilliant and that's all well and good, but doesn't work for me if you're not a nice person, right? So then how do we grow our boys in emotional intelligence? Hmm. Again, it's so much about listening, taking the time, and it's adding to their emotional vocabulary. So as you said, they don't have the words. And that comes through story, that comes mm -hmm. through imagery. It, you know, mm -hmm. and it starts when they're little. Are you as grumpy as a mm -hmm. bear that just got woken up from hibernation and is hungry? And you give them these pictures of, I, I think a, uh, an example is Aesop's Fables. Aesop's Fables is very much little short stories about uh, qualities of being human. And it's very moralistic and you don't have to say the moral at the end. Just give, you know, just tell the stories and talk mm -hmm. to them about, you know, when I was little, when I was a kid and I had to start a new school and I felt so shy and embarrassed. And, and mm -hmm. so giving them a lot of the words, but also then the nuances so for instance, you know, frustration, are you frustrated because you, you, you know, your hands aren't able to do that activity? Are you frustrated because you don't know what to do next? Are you, and to really recognize that we have to be the interpreters for a while of our son's emotional life. And part of that too, it's so important that they hear these kind of conversations from men. So again, mm. you know, here's the women talk, 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 give, 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 love, love, love. We do that so well, <laughs> but yeah. our boys need to hear these kinds of conversations from the men in their life. Also. Okay. That's huge. It's so huge. And I have to say here, this is, I, I get out my soapbox. I feel that our dads now are at they're like the generational crossroads. Mm -hmm. We want them to be emotionally intelligent and engaged with their children and with us. We, I think, I believe that they want to be also, many of them. They do too, yeah. And they were not parented mm -hmm. in a way that it comes naturally to them. Yes, they weren't given the vocabulary. They weren't no. honored. They, nobody said to them, it's okay to cry. No, you be embarrassed. It's okay if no. you're shy. It's okay. Right. Yeah. And so when we, as the, as moms say that dads are like, Oh, I don't know. You know, and I find that in, in, in the work that I do with my clients too, that the dads are sometimes resistant. Like, yeah, but there still has to be a consequence. Can't just say, you know, that you feel this way or you feel that way. Like, what are we going to do about it? Right. And it's like, no, it's yeah. okay to just acknowledge it. Right. Yeah. Honor it. 
right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're really in this place of maybe um, heightened expectations from the women in their life and uh, from, I think, from themselves and that and, the, and yet they don't yet have the tools for that. Mm -hmm. So to be, you know, to be gracious, to give them some, give them some space. And yeah. I think understanding, diving into becoming more boy friendly, understanding how men and boys operate can also foster that. I've had dads say to me, wow, now I understand myself better because they were yeah. never given this information or these tools before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I work with my clients, the first thing they get is a list of emotion words, <laughs> a list of emotions, because it's so, it's so great. And by the way, um, I can, I can, I'm going to include a link to that um, in, in the show notes, because I think nice. it's really, really important. And I use a list um, that, that is actually a free resource from IGROK, um, I-G-R-O-K, um, which, is, which is a great site um, for anybody who's looking to build emotional intelligence in your family. But um, anyway, so um, let's, let's talk a little bit about how our, like our boys freak us out because they can be aggressive. Um, they can have big, angry emotions, rage, epic meltdowns, the whole thing. You know, how do we work through them? Um, and what are they about? I think that if we remember that boys are physical first, okay, physical before everything else, physical before they can find their words, physical so as they are processing information. And I really encourage you to actually keep a time log diary to actually track how much movement are they really getting? Because as busy parents, we think, oh yeah, they went, you know, we went to the park and they ran around. But that was only for 15 or 20 minutes. You <laughs> yeah. know, our boys need intense physical exercise. They love challenges. So it can be, you know, doing a, a 10 minute exercise video in the morning before school or before the day starts. It can be, um, I mean, they need a couple of hours of vigorous, not just like doop de doo kind of exercise, but they need vigorous, yeah. vigorous physical movement. So tracking that, and you know your boys, you know, you know whether they are really physical. Some boys aren't, don't need it as much, but um, really then boys crave physical contact. So roughhousing, yeah. wrestling, all rolling around, you know, just puppy style. They love that. And that is also helping them develop their empathy it's helping them develop their, you know, stop means stop consent skills in that mm -hmm. a really fun family wrestling game. Cause I know many moms are like, wrestle. Are you kidding? I know it no. makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? Yeah. Me, me, it's me not in us, but a fun game that this comes from Dr. Uh, Leonard Cohen, who oh, is I know him, the, yeah. the art of rough housing. Yeah. He lives actually just down the street from me. Um, oh. He said, everybody puts socks on and you lay with your feet together in, in like a circle. And then the game is that you are trying to get the other person's socks off without losing your own socks. 
Oh my gosh. So it's silly. It's fun. And it's a little more, it's a little less interactive for those of us who <laughs> might not like to be full on body wrestling, but and you don't want to get know, hurt. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, but also with that too, is like many boys crave heavy work. They want yes lift and tote and carry water and sand and rocks and dig and um and have like hard hugs like not little light mommy hugs but like big bear hugs they crave that uh that pressure on their joints and their muscles and so mm -hmm. how is he getting those kinds of things which right. can uh feed that rather than him seeking it through aggression Right, right. Well, and, and that's very true from a sensory perspective too, right? That that, yes. is, that is all sensory stuff, right? But mm -hmm. we do need to move our big muscle groups. Heavy work is calming, you know, yes. for whatever reason it is, right? It's, it's because of the sensory system that we have. Mm -hmm. So that's really, really, that's really great um, advice. Really, really great advice. Um, I, I really like that. So just remembering heavy work, you know, lots of activity, um, wear those boys down, wear them down. <laughs> yeah. So and, give the, and they want meaningful work. You know, they want my friend's three-year-old is carrying in the groceries. He's putting the groceries away. He's cutting vegetables. He's stirring the soup. He's doing the laundry. He's taking the wet clothes and putting them in the dryer. All of those things your boys are so capable of doing. And that builds their sense of of esteem and capability and responsibility, all the things that we want to have in them before they get to that heavy period of 11, 12, 13, when they're like, I can't, I can't lift my left toe, you know, it's yeah. so hard, but you've created and built these habits that will blossom when they move through that, that eye of the needle of adolescence and that's in them. Yeah. Oh, that's really great. That is all so good. You know, I just want to say thank you so much for everything that you have shared today. This has been really, really good. And, you know, our boys deserve all of the efforts that we put forward, right? We, and we need emotionally intelligent boys because the world is complicated. It's confusing. Uh, it can be a scary place sometimes. And we need our men as well as we need emotionally intelligent women and girls. So yeah. um, I think this is really helpful to sort of just pull the, um, to understand just what's going on. Like, let's just understand the facts. And what I hear you saying loud and clear is that we just need to listen more, communicate with them, but with less words and really be curious to find out what's really going on, right? Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things that I always say too is take the behavior as secondary, right? I'm not the only one that says that. Dr. Dan right. Siegel says that too. You know, we, we, a lot of people say that. Don't get offended or don't get caught up in the, the initial um, expression of their feelings, whether it's aggressive or whatever it is, just put that aside and say, hey, what's going on and then keep yeah. those lips together right keep them close yes. and yeah. do it in a way that is non-threatening like on a walk and, and that sort of thing do you have anything else to add 
I want to make sure we had talked about the brain and I want to make sure that we touch on the fact this developmental trajectory, I want to carry it all the way through. And that is to recognize mm. that our boys' brains do not come fully online, that especially the neocortex, that frontal part mm -hmm. of our brain where judgment and planning and cause and effect live, that part is not fully organized and functional until the mid to late 20s. Hello. So you're worried about your 16-year-old <laughs> or your 18-year-old and you think they're not making good decisions. It's because they're not there yet and you still right. need to be their safety net. But you know, by the time he's 30, he's going to be an awesome man ready to take on the world. Right. And I think we have to adjust the way we look at those boys, too, because we we used to just call them late bloomers, which means that there's still chance. There's still hope. But now we call them a lost cause. And that just means like, oh, forget it. And they're but not. If we understand the brain it is everything. And we know more about the brain now because we have brain scans that can show us this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. We're not just making it up. It's absolutely true. And yeah. so knowing the way the brain works just helps us to understand what's developmentally appropriate so we can just relax. And I'll yeah. tell you what you've just said, you know, um, my oldest son is 15 and I just, I, I look at him and I just say, you know what? There are some things that are frustrating and worrying, I'll admit. But then I also say, you've got more than 10 years worth of brain growth ahead of you. You are gonna be able to think and conceptualize concepts and do things that you can't even understand now, like that you can't even imagine how your brain is gonna be able to think and grow yeah. and, 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 and just process the world. So it is also really exciting to watch them discover the world and grow and flourish, right? And we need to mm -hmm. give them the space to do that without expectations that make them feel worthless, without mm -hmm. criticizing them and calling them names like lazy and useless, right? Because that's easy to do uh, when you see them not moving their body, right? We immediately want to label it. So let's not do that either, right? Yeah, let's yeah. just say, okay, your body needs to rest right now and that's okay. Yeah. And I also require you to go for a walk, right? I also <laughs> require you to do this, right? That's okay too, right? Yes, absolutely. Well, this is so great. And can't, now you have something awesome for our listeners. You have a free guide. Tell me about this free guide. Yeah. So it's just, I, I wrote this at the beginning of coronavirus and it's still actually in effect and has some great tips, 20 or more strategies for parenting, uh, parenting boys. And you can find that at boysalive.com slash guide. Uh, and just opt in for that. I also have a really active Facebook group and you're totally invited to join us there. And then the On Boys Parenting Podcast that you can find anywhere you find your favorite podcast like yours. Yay, well, thank you so much, Janet. You, uh, your details will be all over my show notes. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you and talk boys, you are all there. So Janet Allison, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. 
For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.